Hey everyone, we're still out on maternity leave. This week we're bringing you a double feature re-release of our coverage on the hashtag Free Britney movement. Britney is still under the conservatorship and control of her dad. The New York Times just released a documentary, Framing Britney Spears, which features video footage spanning the many years of this restrictive arrangement. This episode covers Britney's early years, all the way through the actions that caused her dad to petition for a conservatorship. After checking out these throwback episodes, you can head over to our Patreon for some bonus content like our mini-sodes, including our update on the Free Britney movement that was released just after these episodes. We also have other bonus content like mix bags, wheel segments, and Am I the Asshole questions, where Reddit users ask whether they're acting like assholes, and we judge them. Enjoy the episode. Thanks so much, and keep it creepy. Starting with her pigtailed debut, she rocketed to stardom as one of the biggest pop stars of all time. At first, all her dreams seemed to be coming true. But behind the scenes, things weren't going so well for this icon. A divorce, a custody battle, stints in the hospital for mental health reasons, and then finally, her rights were stripped away via an allegedly temporary legal mechanism. A decade later, the conservatorship remains. How could a pop legend end up with her every move controlled? This week's episode is The Free Britney Movement, Part 1. in the night, your heart fills with dread, probably a murderer who wants you dead, it could be a ghost, a demon or worse, perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse, it's hopeless, you're doomed, you'd call a priest if you could, you'd rather just listen to who, Sinisterhood. a very important question please what is your favorite britney song okay i've been solidly listening to britney since we decided to i will tell you what listening to britney spears is like a jolt it's better than a cup of coffee Mm -hmm. if i'm feeling sluggish at my desk put my headphones on i i love toxic yeah i've had toxic and circus stuck in my head all day but i'm going back and forth in between those two i think later britney stuff is not as appreciated as it should have been oh her was it Glory that came out in, um, like two years ago? Mm-hmm. That one but, was very good with Slumber Party and stuff on. Slumber Party is a is a banger. She's got. I mean, even her B side tracks I think are still good. But the mo- the embarrassing thing about me is probably my favorite song is "She's So Lucky." <laughs> I oh, I love, love that song. So I love the video. I love the song. That song's great. I had this like this shamrock print photo album and i got some stickers from uh michael's that and i wrote out she's so lucky on the photo album. did you know i dressed as britney spears for halloween when i was a ch- child i did I not like, what did you wear was 12 or 13 inappropriately i wore a skirt sports bra and then like a white t-shirt tied up with it and then put my hair in pigtails oh so Probably. you were sporting the look from my the video of my favorite britney song Oh, really? Which is Baby One More Time. Yes. You gotta go with the hit, the classic. I th- I've i been thinking about this a lot over the past few days. And wh- if, like, that song is a j- jolt to me. And it's just like, I feel like it has everything. It mm-hmm. was like the beginning of her career. The video is <laughs> iconic, although perhaps a bit. But I don't know. She was what sixteen, so yeah, maybe not. Maybe not the best choice. Apparently, it was her idea though. They wanted it to be a lot more tame, and she was like, "No, this is me." But it just, 
I don't know. It's just so catchy and it has everything. And like, if you hear that song, you're like, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, it's a legend. It's the one yeah. where it's like, and you're like, fuck. Yeah. yeah. Everyone yeah. Starts if cheering. somebody sings I- that at karaoke or anything. When she first came out, though, I did not like her. For, I think it's because I, it's like, were one you of those a Christina you, fan? Yes. Is that why I you didn't Christina like Aguilar. Britney? Yeah, I had Genie in a Bottle. I was like, Team Christina. And then it's like, we shouldn't pit women against each other. We can all love. That's true. All kinds of things. But this guy, I was watching music videos and then also live performance videos of her. So then I started watching Backstreet Boys videos. I was making Paris watch AJ's on Dancing with the Stars right now. I know. And then we went down another rabbit hole of grooms. Groomsmen dances at weddings is like a thing now where oh, yeah? the like where you're supposed to like go get the garter from the woman. Well, instead of just getting the garter, the guy will be like, wait a minute, and then music will start and he'll do a dance, or more likely him and all his groomsmen will do a choreographed dance, which goes either one one crew uh, Paris was like, they have to have been like in a dance group together, or like maybe they were on a cheer team or something together. And the other side is, like, so cringy. Well, here's another reason for me to renew my vows. Yes. I demand a flash mob groomsman dance. Full dance. (laughs) The only thing is, like, every, um, I would say 50% of them end in genuine My Pony in the post-Magic Mike era. No. And then, no, you are, I kept going, their families are there. Yeah. I was like, calm down. I was like, their mother can see him jiggling his genitalia yeah, that's like, not no i want it to be like funny up it was like uptown funk or whatever and yeah. then i showed paris the evolution of dance video from like a million years ago on the internet you know i'm talking oh, about yeah. the guy in the paris is like this is so funny what he's never this? seen that <laughs> no. is he from the past i said i was like where where <laughs> you just lived in california it's not even like you're from- i think that's where they get things first I know. Yeah, he he did not uh he had never seen it, but it's you know what? That's it an impressive up. video. It's still good. Yeah. Still good. Well, no one can dance like Britney. She's the most amazing. Well, I'm gonna disagree because I think Beyonce is a much better dancer. Oh yeah, that's true. But She's, Britney is still Britney, very good. I thought of this while I was walking around my house with my uh headphones on listening to Britney Spears. I was like, Britney walked so like Beyonce and Katy Perry and Lady Gaga could run. You know what I mean? Like it just gets like Madonna was great, but Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera were better. And Britney Spears and Christina were great, but like Lady Gaga and Beyonce are better. You know, it's just like. Do you think Madonna? Building. You think Britney's better than Madonna? I mean, I I'm gonna go. Yeah. I'm gonna say I'm gonna take the Madonna opposite just, side. I mean, there. when you start looking into Madonna, she literally just went into the gay and black community and stole a bunch of stuff. So, well, like, what's revolutionary? Uh, I mean, that can be said of a lot of, a lot of people. Yeah. I, but I think as far as like iconic, uh, figures, I think Madonna probably trumps Brit. I think Madonna walked so Britney could run. Yes, for sure. They all stand on the shoulders of the icons that came before yes, them. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Well, I don't know if we've ever had more requests for an episode than this one. Constant dms oh, facebook emails email. oh my goodness Just carrier pigeons <laughs> there's a, sky a, writings yeah, i was gonna say the, the airplane with the banner <laughs> yeah so we this could have been a serial podcast quite honestly and there are those out there on her life and in, in this movement but we're breaking it up into two parts so we're going to talk about her early career in life and this one and when things started to spiral out of control all the way up until 
the conservatorship. And then the next episode will really focus a lot on the conservatorship and the Free Britney movement, which has taken over social media and all the conspiracies or sounds like they're not really conspiracies at this point. It's just straight up fact Mm -hmm. of what's going on with her. I will say, um, I have like many, so many where we start doing research on stuff. I have a newfound respect and wish I could go back to past Christy and say, you don't know what's going on in her life. So don't (laughs) judge her. It's true. Because like, what's that saying? Like everybody be kind because everyone's fighting a battle. You don't mm -hmm, know. mm -hmm. The, um, the 2007 VMA awards. Oh Christ. That performance makes me sweat just thinking about it mm-hmm. and she was so criticized for it but when you find out oh she just lost custody of her kids it, like you mm-hmm. don't know what sh- she was going through mentally what medication she's on to just try and get on that stage and fulfill her contract and mm-hmm. duties at all so yeah it's um this is one of those where once you really start looking into it you realize just how taken advantage of she has been since she was a little girl. Yeah. And it's it's yeah. quite sad. It makes me want to just be friends with her and be like, I got you. We're not yeah. going to let them put you on stage. We will never let them do that yeah. to you. Not to sound like I looked up that Chris Crocker fella from the Leave Britney Alone video, and I told you, Revelation did not know he was a comedian. I thought that was legit. Well, he was doing I mean, a good bit. He sold the he bit. Was- <laughs> He was amazing. He was a good actor, yeah. but uh, I mean, it, it didn't really. But you but know, he you get but famous. You can. Uh, it, it rings true though. We should yes. people look at celebrities. I think a lot of times, like they're not real people, and mm-hmm. you can like they still check their Instagram accounts. They still see all the mean things that people say mm-hmm. about them. They read reviews of. <laughs> they're just normal people. They just happen to have a lot more money than most of us and a lot of fame, but it doesn't mean that the things that people say don't cut them to the core, just like everybody else. Yeah. It's like, it's we don't live in a, people don't live in a vacuum, you know, no. unless David Sedaris talks about, he totally like really will not Google himself, but he's like, it sucks when I'm accidentally on something and you, you know, you see that a is thing my and you're life. like, I go out of <sighs> my know. way to not look at anything. Same. But I, uh, if I if something accidentally pops up, I'm like, well, and, you know, most of the time it's good. But if you yeah. see something that isn't good, everyone hurts the same. Was that an yeah. R.E.M. song? Wasn't that? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, all that to be said, whether it's a, a just a person on Facebook or Britney Spears, everybody just be, be cool, be kind. Yeah. Does Think about, do I need to really post this mean thing? Do I need to write this rude review? Or could I maybe just go about my day without saying anything at all? I could also just not. I had that feeling the other day, though, because I had really good vegan nachos from that place in Garland. And I've been really obsessed with a local pizza. And I thought people really statistically leave bad reviews more often than good ones. Yeah. And so I went and left very nice reviews for both of those. That's and very I hope nice. That, that helps them stay in business because I really love Is this pizza the flattery? Flat the flattery in Dallas is the best pizza I've had in my whole life, and I used to live in wow. Chicago. It makes me cry, 
thinking about it. I just had a full dinner and I would still eat a full flattery pizza. <laughs> I got to try it because you've been it's, talking about this place for weeks now. I'm addicted. It's the <laughs> toppings. It's the toppings. Yep. You said it's the cheese. Well, <sighs> buffalo mozzarella. Yeah. Oh, man. My fave. Well, let's get into this. I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And here's Brittany. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Brittany Jean Spears was born on December 2nd, 1981, in Macomb, Mississippi, the second child of Lynn Irene Bridges and James Parnell Spears. Soon, her family moved to Kentwood, Louisiana, where Brittany's parents enrolled her in dance lessons at age three, after having discovered what a naturally talented child she was. Just two years later, she stole the spotlight when she performed What Child Is This? to her classmates and their parents at her kindergarten graduation. That's a big song to sing for a four or five-year-old. That's a, yeah, a lot of words to remember and on <laughs> yes. pitch, and that's going to take a lot of practice. Yeah. When we tried to take Ella to dance class, she screamed uncontrollably to the point where we had to remove her from the <laughs> class, and then she just went outside and sat on the sidewalk and wouldn't let us near her. <laughs> so it went a that's, different route. It's <laughs> a whole mood right yeah, there. I know that she, and I was like, what child is this? Just to Tommy. <laughs> Having been in singing, dancing, and gymnastics classes for several years, Brittany's mother, Lynn, believed her daughter was destined for even more. It appeared Brittany agreed, saying of her child and ambition in an interview with Rolling Stone, I was in my own world. I found out what I'm supposed to do at an early age. I always wonder with child stuff like this, did you or do you think you did? Well, until you may get... Like, we all trade in currency, right? And so, you know, the things that make you feel good. And for me, it was always, like, my parents' approval. And, like, I hated getting in trouble. I wanted my teachers to like me. I want my parents to like authority figures was, like, but for a kid who, when you're five, you sing, what child is this? And everyone cheers. Mm -hmm. Then you're like, oh, when they cheer at me, that's good. And yeah. I'm worth something. Sure. And so then, and your parents are encouraging you that you sort of start to think, well, that's how I feel good is to get people to cheer at me. And you can't find you don't find that satisfaction, you know, within yourself, which I've had to struggle with is finding of like it doesn't matter the approval of other people. You have to love yourself mm -hmm. first. So it's a it's a long journey. And to be 15, 16 and be like, is this what you want to do? And you're like, oh, uh -huh. it's like, do you really have the capacity to consent to that? And I mean, I loved performing my whole life, so I can understand mm -hmm. that I would have rather been on stage, probably not singing because I'm not a good singer, but acting or something mm -hmm. at a young age rather than going to just traditional school. Mm -hmm. I hated Amanda Bynes because I was like, I am funnier than her and I should be on all that. That's my life. I should be with oh, Keenan Thompson. That's how I feel about a lot of TV shows. I'm like, how did, <laughs> how did this fucking get cast? Why am I not on TV? Heather and I should have a show. This is, we could do something so much better than what's on there right now. I mean, but I remember know. I had a friend in middle school who was a dancer and she had dance practice every single night for hours, like three, four mm -hmm. hours. And I would always be like, don't you get tired of it? She was like, no, not when you love it so much. But I'm always, I don't know, now that I'm older, I'm like, did she love it so much? Or was was she kind of being forced to go do this? I don't know. I think with a lot of these things, you start off really liking it because it's fun. But mm -hmm. then at some point it becomes work. And you're a yeah. kid and you're like, I just want my life back. Yeah, I want to go play and throw rocks at yeah. my friends or whatever you do. That's what I do. Throw rocks <laughs> at your friends. I want to you know, go whatever. have fun and throw rocks at my friends. 
Well, three years after her singing debut, when Brittany was eight, Lynn took her daughter from their hometown of Kentwood, Louisiana, to Atlanta to audition for the revival of the Mickey Mouse Club. Unfortunately, little Brittany was rejected for being too young for the show. But this didn't stop Lynn. After meeting a New York talent agent at the audition, she moved her daughter to the Big Apple to pursue their showbiz dreams. It was here Brittany began taking acting classes at the Professional Performing Arts School located in Hell's Kitchen. I mean, it's what a little kid like me and you that like to perform Mm -hmm. and have attention. This is what you think you want. Oh, yeah, for sure. Did you watch the Mickey Mouse Club? I loved it. I didn't watch it. You didn't watch it? No, not really. I wonder if we didn't have that kind of cable, you know, like that that channel. Well, I guess she's closer to my age than yours. Because mm-hmm. what, she's 39, right? 37 right now? She's born in 81, yeah. Okay. A couple years Yeah, ago. yeah, yeah. I loved the Mickey Mouse Club. Really? Yeah. With the JT and Carrie Felicity? Yes. I told you we went to Chicago and Carrie Russell was doing an interview in, in the, out in the park. For Felicity? You know, they had... Felicity, yeah. Oh, I love Felicity. That's one of my all-time favorite shows. She's cut her hair, and we were there with my friend Franklin, and he was like, Felicity! (laughs) I love Felicity. Screaming Felicity. You could tell she just, like, did not, because she was like, I cut my hair. That's not me anymore. I don't do that show anymore. You could tell she was just like, would you Well, she cut her hair on the show. It was a big, it was a big transition. Yeah. I love Felicity so much. Oh, my gosh. That show, that and my so-called life are like, oh, I could talk about them for days. Well, after an early appearance on Star Search in 1991, where she lost to a 12-year-old named Marty Thomas, Brittany was finally cast on the Mickey Mouse Club in 1992, alongside the fresh faces of Christina Aguilera, Justin Timberlake, Ryan Gosling, and Carrie Russell. Their four-year run was fun, but in 96, the club was closed for good, and Brittany was forced back into a regular life. She returned to Macomb, Mississippi, where she attended Park Lane Academy for high school. While Britney was popular, she still yearned to perform, telling Rolling Stone that high school was like, The opening scene in Clueless with all the clicks. I was so bored. I was the point guard on the basketball team. I had my boyfriend. I went to homecoming and Christmas formal. But I wanted more. I was also a very big fan of Star Search. Oh, really? Did you not watch Were Star you? Search? Oh, my no. gosh. I'm so surprised <laughs> by both of these revelations. I think you would have loved Star. For- I think you would have loved Star Search. Yeah, I think Mickey Mouse Club. I just missed because of the timing. I w- I was more into like Keenan and Kel and all that and yeah. stuff on Nickelodeon. But Star Search, I remember it being on, but I don't remember. Again, probably a lot of my life has just been fueled by petty jealousy of like it should be me on that stage. <laughs> well, you know who else was on Star Search at a very young age? Who? And also, I don't think she won. Beyonce. Uh, Beyonce. Hmm. So it tur- turns out Star Search was a flop. <laughs> well, and Justin like, Timberlake so was on there. Was he? See, I mean, like, and it's so crazy that, like, Disney had the where they had the foresight to be like, you know what? All of these people are successes. And you're like, you know what? They sure are. They all went on mm-hmm. to have, like, crazy successful careers in their own right. It's It's so weird that... On competition shows, so many times the people that come in second have the better career. It's, it's true. Yeah. So many times on, um, not American, American Idol. Yeah. I was trying, not, I was like, it's not America's Got Talent. American Idol and everything. Yeah. The second place people, because sometimes those contracts are so messy that the people that, that get them kind of, kind of, they kind of get screwed. Yeah. You get locked into mm-hmm, doing bad mm-hmm. shit that you don't want to do. 
Eager to get back on stage, Brittany began talks to join Innocence, an all-girl group. However, after speaking with her entertainment lawyer in New York, Larry Rudolph, she decided to go the solo route. Rudolph provided Brittany with an unused Tony Braxton song she could use as a demo. After recording it, Rudolph began shopping Brittany around to various record labels. And in 1997, Jive Records, home of the greatest boy band of all time, the Backstreet Boys, signed the promising young songstress. Years later, Innocence would open for Britney on tour before breaking up in 2002. Sometimes I'll add editorial notes in my <laughs> notes to you, and then Christy kind of decides what's in the final script. And man, I love when she leaves stuff like that. <laughs> that is, of course, how was I going to take that out? These are your boys. I love them too. It's um, Jive Records. They're no more, I believe. They have Mm-mm. since dissolved, but they had some hit makers. Oh, yeah. It was a a machine, Mm -hmm. just turning them out. Mm -hmm. In the spring of 1998, a 16-year-old Britney was flown to Sweden to work with legendary pop music producers Max Martin and Dennis Pop, where she recorded her first album, Baby One More Time. Released on January 12, 1999, the album went on to sell over 10 million copies, was the biggest-selling album ever by a teenage artist, one of the best-selling albums of all time, and the best-selling first album by any artist ever, according to Zimbio. I mean, when she came out, it was yep. a rocket ship. Yep. It was just everybody had to, you had, everyone was singing that song. Mm-hmm. It was like, it became a part of the culture. Yeah. Oh, it was like immediate parodied. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. With the success of her first album and its number one hit single, Baby One More Time, Britney was officially solidified as one of the biggest pop stars of the decade. The accompanying music video was an MTV staple, with her flirty Catholic schoolgirl outfit skyrocketing her into sex symbol status, a drastic change from her earlier image as Sweet and Innocent. Years later, the number one hit would be the last song to be played on the very last episode of MTV's TRL with Carson Daly, a show on which Britney was regularly featured. Her rise to fame also landed Britney her first major gig as the opening act for the 1998 NSYNC tour, Second to None. What did you did we ever figure out how they established what order the songs were played on TRL? Was it people calling in? Was that how it went? Hmm. Total request live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to call it in. I wonder. I always wonder if it was rigged. If you guys know anybody that worked at MTV, <laughs> if you're Carson Daly, <laughs> call in Carson Daly. <laughs> I would get so mad when the Backstreet Boys would be unseated as like number one. I was like, this is the show is a lie. I know I watched it. I know for a fact I watched it, but I can't remember. What is that? What it, it was like the top hits of the week. Mm-hmm. Okay. They would play like the top 10 music videos that were requested. And then in between like interview people or yeah. do bits and talk and stuff. Yes. And she was on it a ton because her songs mm-hmm. were number one a ton. Britney once again struck gold in 2000 with her second album. Oops, I did it again, which broke the Nielsen sound scan record for the highest debut sales by a solo artist and remains one of the best selling albums of all time according to pop culture. The following year saw one of the most iconic MTV VMA performances of all time, when Britney flawlessly performed her hit, I'm a Slave for You, with a seven-foot albino Burmese python draped over her shoulders. While the epic performance drew scorn from PETA, as it also featured a caged tiger, wrangled by famed tiger keeper Doc Antle, featured on Tiger King, It also launched Britney into another level of stardom, with fans marveling at her abilities as a performer. 
that at the time we were talking about this the other day. Yeah. It was like jaw dropping, show stopping. We were just and then you watch it now and I was like, that someone needs to mm-hmm. take that python away. Yeah. She slapped a person in the face yeah. with the python. That python looks uh, real bummed out. That tiger looks real drugged. It is yeah. at the time, and like we said uh, to ourselves in our <laughs> Facebook thread the other day, so much stuff that like went on back then. We, I'm glad we, I'm glad we've kind of turned a corner with some stuff. Yes, like that. Part, yes. That's now people would be a lot more hesitant to do something like that. But at the time, yeah, it was not only the animals involved but her outfit first of all oh, her man. body banging flawless it's it's insane but at one point she has banana is the python's name draped over her shoulder and she does like three pirouettes before handing it off yes it's tail she does a spin and there's a person kind of in the you know they had the pit audience mm-hmm. in the middle she like whips it and yeah. it hits a person and yeah. i'm like that the person probably was fine but the the python didn't want to get hit into yeah. people no, I'm sure the snake was drugged. She said later she was terrified of the whole thing, but you don't read that on her face at Not all. once. The Mm-mm. tiger definitely looked drugged. It's just yeah. kind of hanging out in the in the cage. And Doc Antle, huge piece of shit. If you've watched Tiger <sighs> King, couldn't be a bigger piece of shit. They, you know, as bad as, uh, what's his face? Joe, what's his name? Joe Tiger? Joe Exotic. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We've been in quarantine so long, I don't remember the guy's name. <laughs> Joe Exotic. Joe Tiger isn't any more ridiculous, yeah. so. It's equally dumb. But they, you know, that was all well and good to do a series on him. They need to do like a Nexium cult yes. series on, not that Doc Gantle was a cult, but. I think he could be running one, judging by Ooh. the brainwashing that the women that work for him seem to be undergoing. Speaking of Dancing with the Stars, Carol yes. Baskins. Oh, her. So I watched. I watched my mom. <laughs> I just watched, I watched her the, clip on Facebook. That's what I watched, too. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yikes. Yikes, goes, Yikes is right. I was like, what is going on? And I'm like, that's Carol Baskins. He's like, for real? I think he thought it was like an SNL thing. It <laughs> is, like, is uh, I think sh- they said she got the second lowest marks in the show's history. I don't watch the show, but I guess I read you can get 30 points. She got 11. It, it is. Bad. It is so bad. I mean, I guess she's upright, so that's a couple of points. And she reasonably did moves. But you can tell they choreographed it so she'd kind of stand there and the dude would spin around her versus AJ McLean, who has amazing moves. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he's great. Also, it was to Eye of the Tiger, a little too on the nose. But what's even more insane is her ex-husband's family took out ads during the debut asking the public for any information about his murder and disappearance and saying that carol was involved the first one aired right after she danced you know what abc is playing both sides of the <laughs> yes fence. they are they're getting paid by by everyone involved but i was like that is ballsy to a whole new level well, smart though you got eyes on her yeah there's been some stuff that's come out recently about that too oh yeah britney's fame and bank accounts, continued to grow. She landed a deal as the new Pepsi spokesperson in 2001, an opportunity that years later would have her playing a sexy gladiator alongside fellow female icons Beyonce, Pink, and Fergie in one of the most popular commercials of Super Bowl 2004. In 2002, Forbes declared her the most powerful celebrity of the year on their Celebrity 100 list after she earned a reported $39.2 million dollars and was featured in over 25,000 news items. For some perspective, number two that year was Tiger Woods. 
Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a... Uh, first of all, I just want to say I love Pink. I just, oh, Pink's great. Oh, I got to go see her concert when she... The last yeah. time she came through Dallas, and I just cried. You know who so else was, like, was at that concert? Amazing. You, who? My father-in-law. <laughs> Why? Was he... Or was it Lady Gaga? Oh, yeah. It was uh, somebody who was it. dating... They they okay. went, but I think it was pink. I don't remember what it, whichever one it was. He said it was great. It's such a good yeah. show because she does like the ro- the silks and stuff where she like spins from the yeah ceiling. yeah. Gosh, she's so good. She's but, good, yeah. and she also seems just like a really down to earth, mm-hmm. keeping it real person, which I really yes. appreciate. Brittany's career was taking off like a rocket, and her personal life was just as great. She had begun dating NSYNC heartthrob Justin Timberlake, and the pair was considered America's sweethearts. Brittany has even said Justin was her first kiss at the impressionable age of 13. Sadly, her home life was not as ideal. Her father, Jamie Spears, struggled with alcoholism. He and Brittany's mom, Lynn, fought frequently and finally divorced in 2002 after 30 years of marriage. Brittany told People magazine, My mom and dad, bottom line, do not get along. Justin, can we just take a second to just a moment of silence to appreciate (laughs) the man, the myth, the legend, everything that he is. He is, I'm tearing up, like legitimately tearing up right now, (laughs) thinking about how much I love Justin Timberlake. He's so good in (sighs) so many ways. In everything he does. Yes. Did he have a little slip up a few months ago? When he was drunk in New Orleans and holding that girl's hand, yes. But he came out and he owned it, and I pre- and I respect him for yes. that. He can do everything. Yes, he's. That's what I was like. It's not just like a triple threat, like singing, dancing, acting. Because he can sing, he can dance, he can act, and he can do comedy. Mm-hmm. And he writes, and he plays instruments, and he's. I mean, he and just he's does. a great husband, and he's a great father. For all the son. love, I think that, yes, he's a great son. And mm-hmm. I think a big part of him being so successful is he's got a really good relationship with his mother mm-hmm. and she's like very caring. But I will say for as much as I love the Backstreet Boys and I, w- I have a 15 minute slide deck of, I can present to you about why they are the quintessential boy band. Like they deliver, <laughs> they deliver on the boy band premise greater than any other boy band that's ever existed. And I, there's, I got some slides to tell you. None of them are even a fraction of as talented as Justin Timberlake. He is just that good. Yeah. His voice, his range, he's he can rap, he can sing, he can croon, the dancing. Oh, but, God. And, and all his, I'm a huge Lonely Island fan, and all his stuff with Lonely Island, he's so he's good. He's so funny. He yeah. slays every time he's on SNL. He's mm-hmm. one of the few hosts that if he is in New York and he has a standing imitation to just drop by and do whatever mm-hmm. like Alec Baldwin because mm-hmm. they're just they kill it every time they're on there so good oh yes and to imagine your first kiss is Hell Justin yeah. Timberlake well my first kiss was Nick Carter so whatever <laughs> on out of a magazine no when i was a kid my mom was friends with someone who was friends with their bodyguards and we went and met them and Nick gave me a big hug, and then he we kissed each other on the cheek. What? That really it was happened? The first, yeah, it was I didn't the first know this. Not this is the first boy whose mouth my mouth touched. Oh wow! I didn't touch. I didn't kiss him on the mouth. Like we kissed each other on the cheeks. Well, that's still impressive. Mine was, was a guy named Matt at a church lock-in. Who <laughs> I don't know where Matt. the hell he is now. He wasn't in a boy band. <laughs> oh, that's no sure. Nick Carter. No, I turned on Nick, Nick Carter's solo album again. I love Nick. I love the Backstreet Boys. 
it is such trash pop music, but I love it so much. And I know every word to it. And I told Paris, I was like, if I'm ever in a coma and you need to revive me, turn on Is It Saturday Yet from Nick Carter's Now or Never CD. And Paris was like, I don't know what that is. I was like, no one does. No one has That's that That's how CD. you know that, like, if you're ever abducted and I'm yes. like, put Heather on the phone and your abductor's like, this is Heather. I'm like, Heather, recite all of the words to Is It Saturday Yet? And they're like, what is that? And I'm like, ah, I told you it's not her. Oh, I can. No, it's in my head. I can sing. <laughs> I've it never heard it. I have no it's idea what so, the song is. <laughs> so embarrassing. It's so dumb. You can listen to it offline. I, I will. I for sure will. Despite her success, pop life was also not all it was cracked up to be. Reportedly, Britney was only given an hour off every day for downtime due to her hectic schedule. She was also allegedly a perfectionist and was known to seek out the approval of others, especially her parents. Even though she was a megastar, Britney didn't always love the limelight. In an interview shown on the YouTube show, Ms. Mojo, Britney said, I'm a shy person and I'm not really made for this industry because I'm so shy. Her shyness was perhaps mistaken for an ability to be controlled, as her team was in charge of choosing every aspect of her career, including clothes and underwear, according to Ms. Mojo. You can kind of see at this, starting to get at this level after the oops, I did it again, and she's just really taken off. Her whole life is now controlled, and it's almost like the genie's out of the lamp, and she's like, I didn't know it would be like this. Oh, uh, and it's kind of too late. You also strip a child of their ability to make decisions mm-hmm. and um, really formulate, like, their own opinions or be able to, I mean, that's like with any, I read a lot of parenting books, but like if you start doing that shit at a super young age, like because you think you're helping your kid and all that, you're not allowing them to know what it's like to fail and failure is how we learn and make decisions and set ourselves up for success in the future. So now she's a 30, what do we decide? Seven year old person. Mm-hmm. And she's, Hardly made a decision for herself since she was 16 years old. Younger, mm-hmm. really. So you mean like, j- at this point, it's like, whatever she ate, I'm sure they probably yeah. pre-catered it. But even before that, like, okay, well, you're going to do this show now. We're going to have you do this. Yeah. You're told where to be, at what time, mm-hmm. what you're going to do. This is what you're going to wear. Even your underwear. I mean, you you don't have the skills to just exist in daily life like most people do you're you're you become so dependable that you can't survive without your team which is what i think a lot of these situations they want they don't want the the star to be able to go off and do their own thing because then they're not needed anymore that's true and i mean the idea that you just wake up in the morning and your day is kind of planned also that that kind of has a benefit right you're like oh i don't have to think i can go create i can go be creative but if somebody was picking out their clothes they need to get fired for picking out that freaking denim outfit that her and Justin wore. <laughs> Good Lord. That was a look. That was definitely a look. A Canadian tuxedo. Mm-hmm. In 2002, Brittany and Justin's relationship ended, allegedly because Brittany was unfaithful. This portrayal supposedly entired JT's Crimea River, which featured a Brittany lookalike in the music video. At the time, Brittany told journalist Diane Sawyer of the incident, I think everyone has a side of their story. However, despite the turmoil in her personal life, her career was still on track. She performed a show-stopping rendition of Like a Virgin alongside Madonna and Christina Aguilera on the 2003 VMAs, 
She then released another hit album, In the Zone, a commercial and critical success that produced singles like Me Against the Music and Toxic. While Britney had been previously nominated eight times, Toxic also gave the Princess of Pop her only Grammy win, taking home the Golden Gramophone for Best Dance Recording. I remember that Madonna, Christina Aguilera performance. Yeah, that was, uh, I think I read an article that said that was one of the highest rated viewings of all time on MTV. It's gone down as like one of the sexiest performances. She kind of made these groundbreaking, iconic moves on VMA. Her career kind of like every time she was on the VMA, she would have something like epic and, you know, just like show stopping happen. That's how it was where, yeah, every year everyone's like, what's she going to do this year? Last Mm -hmm. year was the Python and the Tiger. This year it was Madonna. It kind of, you start setting yourself a bar where, like you said, failure is how you learn. But every year you're just blowing yourself out of the water Mm -hmm. from last year. Mm -hmm. While Britney's career seemed unstoppable, her personal life seemed to be deteriorating further. In January of 2004, she shocked family, friends, and fans when she married her childhood friend, Jason Alexander. Not that one at a drive through wedding chapel in Las Vegas. However, just 55 hours later, Brittany petitioned a court to annul the marriage, telling the judge she lacked understanding of my actions. I think Lynn Spears and Jamie Spears got on a plane and said, you don't know what your actions are. You better Mm-mm. get to a judge stat. They were like, if it's, I mean, I'm sure with the annulment, you have to say that you didn't uh, consummate the marriage and... I, I mean, obviously, the judge allowed it, but allowed them to annul it because can you imagine as rich as she was at the time? Now, we'll get into her estate planning later. This is January 2004. I think in March of that year, all of her assets got put into a trust, a, a revocable living trust, which is very smart, but it would tell me that it didn't exist before that. Mm-hmm. And you you got all this cash, all this money, and you just got married to somebody who's going to try to ask for half of it at some point. <laughs> and, you know, her parents were like, So, yeah, all her crap got put into a trust pretty much right after this. Yeah, And beyond that, I think a lot of people were just shocked that he was just her friend. Mm -hmm. You would think someone, this mega icon would be marrying Justin Timberlake or, you know, another Mm -hmm. another megastar. But it was like, Jason, the guy from Seinfeld? And everybody's (laughs) like, no, no, it's not that Jason Alexander. The star of George. What a, what a marriage. I... I ship that whole thing. Yeah. They're America's sweethearts after that. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. But that's, I wonder, you know, now, uh, obviously in part two, we'll kind of get into her attempts for freedom. You wonder if Mm -hmm. every move is controlled back then. And her, her buddy from childhood said, you know, if you were my wife, I'd let you do anything you wanted. Or she's just like, I'm like anybody. It's a teenager. She's not really a teenager at this point, but she didn't really have a normal teenage life. You just want to rebel. You want to do something that you're like, this was my decision. I'm Mm -hmm. deciding to do this. No one else is telling me. Maybe I'll piss a bunch of people off, but it's still my decision. (laughs) Just six months later, following a canceled tour due to knee surgery, Brittany got engaged to Kevin Federline, a dancer who she had known for three months. The two agreed to a reality show called Brittany and Kevin Chaotic which documented their relationship and saw them married in a non-legally binding ceremony in September of 2004. Three weeks later, upon finalizing the prenup, the couple was officially hitched. At the time, KFED said in their reality show regarding the marriage, Worked out pretty good. Brittany, however, later told the Daily Telegraph that the reality series was, 
probably the worst thing I've done in my career. That makes me laugh out loud. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> the, I mean, I first of all, I watched this. Mm-hmm. Chaotic 100% was an accurate name for it. Watching them talk to each other oh. and just in general how they talk. And that, that particular clip, he's like, worked out pretty good. It's perfect. She's like, yeah, baby, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect, isn't it? He's like, oh, yeah, it's perfect. It makes me think of Ron Swanson and Tammy, too. Mm-hmm. They're just like, oh, no, no, I want to get in your face. And then, obviously, at other times, we're, like, screaming and they're yeah. in each other's faces. So yeah. it's it was a – chaotic was the right word. It was, think. yeah. And, again, you know, she's – at least in the documentary, it's just them and their bodyguards and camera mm-hmm. crew going around everywhere. So she doesn't really have – at least that you see people telling her what to do, managing her every move. It's kind of just a free-for-all. She, at the time, was living her best life. Mm-hmm. I think you're happy. You get probably mom and dad or whoever manager kind of off your back and say, it's me and my husband. Leave us mm-hmm. alone. Mm-hmm. Brittany and K-Fed had two children, Sean Preston Federline, born September 14, 2005, and Jaden James Federline, born September 12, 2006. Brittany was widely criticized in February of 2006 for photos that showed her driving while holding her son, Sean, in her lap, a move she blamed on a scary moment with the paparazzi and later admitted was not smart on her part. Later that year, in November of 2006, Brittany and K-Fed divorced, citing irreconcilable differences. In the Ms. Mojo video, The Heartbreaking Life of Brittany Spears, Brittany said, I think I married for all the wrong reasons instead of following my heart. I just did it for just like, the idea of everything. Brittany was reportedly ordered to pay KFED $20,000 per month for child support and was ordered to undergo random drug and alcohol screening as part of a nasty custody battle. This was, I remember, you know, she had kind of stopped after the knee surgery and then she got married, had the kids. She wasn't ever really in the news for the art that she was making or being no. on tour or new music video. So it was always paparazzi finding her at her worst, you know, yeah. she's in sweats or whatever, no makeup and looking frightened and dis- and that's yeah. what kind of she said happened with the baby driving incident. Yeah. She was always in us weekly or star anything for look how much weight she's gained. Look how trashy she is. She's just mm-hmm. white trash. This is around the time when the infamous uh, picture of her walking barefoot into the gas station that we recently. Yes. T- was that on a mixed bag? We talked about that. Did we? We talked about on something. I Everything so. runs together at some point. <laughs> but um, she definitely wasn't making headlines for her chart-topping records or anything mm-hmm. like that anymore. And again, at the time, you're like, God, Brittany, get it together. But now looking back, when you know all of this, if 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 anyone took a picture of how I look right now, <laughs> first of all, I'm sweating so I have my shirt tucked up under my boobs. I'm not wearing a bra. I haven't washed my hair in three days. I'm also pregnant. Like, yeah, just you just want to be yourself every now and then. Thank God for masks. Because when I go out in public, I'm like, someone DM'd and was like, I think I saw you out at a restaurant in Deep Ellum. I was like, no, you did not. Because I don't wear pants anymore. And that's illegal to yeah. go to that. But I was like, you'll know it's me because, uh, you know, I have my Heather necklace. And I'm like, I wear like two masks, Larry David J- or Judge Judy. But thankfully, I can cover my face because I just I don't wear makeup anymore. My hair's like greasy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on Zoom, I can reasonably... I actually, I was doing all my new job stuff on Zoom and my hair is like so oily. It looks dark. 
And then when I had to go to the office to pick up my computer, I watched it. And the girl I was on Zoom with goes, your hair looks so much lighter in person. I was like, yeah, it's the cameras. It was the cameras, not the five days of <laughs> right? grease buildup. But you just you take for granted that like also even on our best days, I love you and I love me. And I think we're both, you know, happy, strong, beautiful women. And our, on our best days, we never looked like Britney did on Slave for You. Mm-mm. And so you set or how she looks in Oops, I Did It Again video or the toxic video. So you the, the community, the world sets these standards of like, oh, well, that's how you look. It's like, that's how she looked at one day for three minutes. Mm-hmm. That's not how you look. How After you look having a team of people yes. do her makeup and hair and trainers and sculpting. And yeah, but just to roll out of bed and expect people to look like that. celebrity or not it's unreasonable and that's why young girls and boys grew up thinking this is the this is how you look this is what it means to be beautiful and that's a dangerous dangerous cycle that leads into all sorts of stuff you know it puts her you know like you said people don't live in a vacuum you know i'm sure she heard the things that people were saying about her and you think oh my god i am white trash i'm so ugly oh i am fat or whatever and it's like no you're fine you're normal it's okay to be normal you're a normal person in the 2000s, we were, the society it was sharks. We were monsters. Yeah. There was not as much body positivity as we have now. No, and celebrities, too, aren't given the luxury of you can be normal. Mm-hmm. It's, no, you've set this standard for yourself, and we all expect you to look like this 24-7 because it makes us uncomfortable when you don't. Therefore, yeah. you got to keep it up. I will say I think that social media has at least pulled that curtain back. There's Salma Hayek posts a ton of selfies with no makeup on. Of course, she looks beautiful or Chris sure. Teigen or whoever. There's a lot of or Lizzo. There's a lot of people I think that let you pink post a lot of photos with no makeup on that are like, this is normal. This is what I look mm-hmm. like every day. It's not all like what you see on TV. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's helpful. Yeah, and definitely. also, I think it takes the power away from the paparazzi of like, we cut you with no makeup. It's like, cool. I posted a five minute video of me talking with no makeup. Yeah. You already, yeah. Too late. Yep. In January of 2007, Britney's aunt, with whom she was extremely close, Sandra Covington, died of ovarian cancer. A few weeks later, Britney briefly checked into a drug rehabilitation center in Antigua, but left after less than 24 hours. The next day, paparazzi spotted the superstar at a Los Angeles hair salon. Photos showed her using electric clippers to shave off her iconic blonde hair. When asked why, she said, I don't want anyone touching me. I'm tired of everyone touching me. Upon leaving the salon with a freshly shaved head, Brittany then attacked a photographer's car with an umbrella, an image that was captured by said photographer and is one that people across the world have burned in their brains to this day. Brian, Brittany's brother, told The Latch that the entire situation was scary and that their family was caught by surprise. Not a lot of people know that Brittany has an older brother named Brian, but she does. It's she not does. just Brittany and Jamie Lynn. <laughs> he's, been, he's been popping up recently in the news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a moment. That was very famous. Mm-hmm. I, like you said, burned in my brain. If you say Brittany Umbrella, I can shut my eyes and see it. Oh, sure. Yeah, immediately. And, you know, again, at the time, everyone's just like, Brittany's crazy. What is she doing? To say someone's, to see someone struggling like that, and to just immediately make fun of them and it becomes a meme. Were memes back then? I don't know. But I mean, it would of. be it would be now. Yeah. No one really very few people were like, she is clearly struggling with some sort of mental health. Something is going on. She's not emotionally well. It was just, oh, look at all this crazy stuff she's doing. 
Yeah, I would hope that if, and maybe Kanye is like an example when yeah. he started kind of lashing out and Kim says, listen, he's struggling. I'm trying to help him, you know, leave us alone. Give us a minute. But I would hope that if we saw actions like this now that, I mean, there are still mean spirited assholes out there that would be like, oh, Brittany and the umbrella. But I think if something similar to this happened today, I think hopefully we as a society have slightly evolved in the last 13 years to say, oh, my God, to, that your first reaction is like, oh, my God, someone should check on her. Yeah. Not, ha ha, what a nut. Blah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Kanye, I think the situation with Kanye is kind of, like you said, Instagram kind of pulls back the veil on that stuff, even though I don't think he is intentionally trying to help clue people in on what's going on like kim coming forward and saying like he's been diagnosed where this is what it looks like it's i mean and then again you're like as mega rich and popular as those people are they are still people Mm -hmm. they still have the same maybe not the same struggles you and i have but they can (laughs) have the same struggle mental health affects whoever that it doesn't care how rich or popular you are so to see that like they are still struggling with the things that anyone can struggle with there. So, yeah, give them some time. Yeah, I mean, that's health, mental health, physical health, and age and time comes for us all. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter how famous you are. And, you you know, at the end of the day, Kim Kardashian West is a person whose husband is losing the battle with a mental illness. Yeah. And it's and, very sad to watch. Mm-hmm. I went down a Kardashian rabbit hole. Oh, because the they got... Night. They shut it down, right? They, the they, yeah, the show, their last season is next year. I haven't watched the show in years. I, I watched it when it first came out. But I guess in the most recent season, Courtney and Kim get into this, like, physical fight. Whoa. So I watched it, and they do get into, like, a physical fight with each other. They'd also, they just treat each other like shit a lot of the times on that show. But then I just went down a rabbit hole of... How it got to be that way, how the their looks over the years to see how all of them have transformed from I think it was 2004 around there when that show first came out, like to see how Chloe first was seen on TV to now she does not look like the same person. Mm-mm. It but is wild. The Jenner kids don't the Kylie and Kylie Kim, and Kendall. That's yeah. the one. Uh, my goodness. Kylie has Kylie has really had a lot of work done to resemble Kim more and more. Kendall well, has more of the natural beauty kind of look. Well, and people will message, you know, back when Kim Kardashian was like, I want to go to law school. People are like, look at this big idiot. I'm like, hey, man, if she wants to try and do a thing, she's very passionate about wrongful incarceration, very passionate anti-death dental penalty. And I've listened to interviews with her talking about cases she grasps the the legal concepts. I mean, she really is. Uh, she's doing the what do you call it, apprenticeship? She's clearly taking it seriously. I don't know. You know, so now with the the Kanye stuff, may have distracted her a little bit. But the interviews I heard where she talks about the the stuff that she's passionate about, she she seems to be on it. You can't make nine hundred million dollars a year and be an idiot. Yeah, I was like. People are like, well, she's, and she does, have, I mean, you can sell the teas or whatever, like, oh, suck this sucker and you lose 50 pounds. Like, come on now. But going into that, if if that's what you want to spend your time is helping people get out of jail, I'm not going to shame a woman for right. wanting to do that. That's a pretty noble cause. I think I correct, should correct myself. I don't think she, ma- she doesn't make $900 million a year. Her net worth is $900 million because I went down this whole thing of, of the siblings and the mom who makes the most. 
So she clearly makes the most at 900 million, even though Kanye like tweeted that she was a billionaire. Forbes has said she's really not quite a billionaire yet. Who do you think is the second most rich? The uh, lipstick one. Yeah. Who sells? Yeah. Kylie. That's she one. makes just her net worth is just under 900 million. So Kim is for 39. Kylie is, oh, early 20s. I don't even know. So imagine like Kim's worked twice as long to get to that. And yeah, it's because she, uh, that makeup line, they both make the majority of their money off their makeup lines. Genius. That's yeah. genius, man. But then the next one is Chloe, and it's like 41 million. It's this huge <laughs> jump. Damn. I mean, that ain't nothing. But. Oh, hell, of course not. But I imagine like that family has so many issues going on. And when you just, when money is so important to you like that, and you're just looking at like, how much each other makes and yeah. comparing yourself in the competition. Oof. For anybody that says Kim Kardashian's dumb, I'm like that woman made $900 million starting off with a sex tape. Mm-hmm. Point to me one other person that's done that. I mean, she didn't win the lottery, right? Like You that's haven't all... seen mine. Okay. <laughs> all right. You going to set up an OnlyFans? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just that one video. <laughs> it's one video. It's uh. <sighs> It's, yeah, it's pretty, it's graphic. It's eye-opening. <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna, 900 million is gonna be chump change when my sex tape comes out. <laughs> my tape. That's the thing. I'm gonna release the tape. tape and no one can watch it because everyone's like, what do we do with this? <laughs> this is a big-ass VHS with the Polaroid cardboard yeah. sleeve. Teenagers everywhere are like, what is this? I don't know what it. What is this thing? Is this a phone? There's boobs in there. Make it work, man. <laughs> oh God. Well, later that year, Brittany lost physical custody of Sean and Jaden. The court records were not made public, so there was no reason given in the media. That same month, in October of 2007, she released "Blackout," which included the songs "Give Me More" and "Piece of Me." While the album was another hit for her and considered by some critics to be the best work of her career, it wasn't heavily promoted like her previous albums, presumably because of what was occurring in her personal life. There were no media interviews, talk show appearances, or a supporting tour. In fact, the only televised performance promoting the album was at the 2007 VMAs, a spectacle that was universally criticized for being under-rehearsed, lackluster, and ultimately one of the lowest moments of Britney's career. This was a setup. Oh man, the 2000 it's VMAs so cringy. Was a setup. I watched recently both the performance and the rehearsal of the performance. The rehearsal is just as bad as the performance. So MTV clearly knew, unless they were like, unless she said, "I'm going to get it together for the performance. I'm just not putting everything I have into it for this," or they said well, this is going to be a shit show, but the ratings are going to go through the roof. I think it was the second one because I think that they were choosing to zoom in on certain celebrities. Mm-hmm. Like Rihanna is kind of making a face and Diddy's Diddy. making a oh, face. Man. And so it's like, I think that they were, I think MTV was trying to get ratings. And it was like, we're either going to get ratings because it's going to be an epic performance or it's going to be an epic fail. And yeah. Finish, you know, and then like play the clips. I think and it was a setup. Unfortunately, it was an epic fail. It is. <sighs> but when at the time you're just like, 
God, Brittany, get it together. What are you doing? Are you, what are you yeah. on drugs? And you're like, now you're like, yeah, probably her kids had just been taken from her. Yes. She probably was on drugs, like self-medicating or by a psychologist or whatever, just to cope. Well, and you can just see she's got not, she doesn't really have a lot of rhythm. She's not physically moving a lot. It doesn't seem like she can. She has to get like help stepping, mm-hmm. you know, she steps down on somebody's back and steps, but you can tell it's kind of a struggle and she's kind of, it's like she wants to do it, but doesn't maybe have the ability to do it. It's very upsetting to watch. There's and I'm like, no someone passion. should have told her. No, you, they should have just said, just stay home. Like, yeah. you're fine. There's no passion. It's, um, she's just going, it's almost like, when you first learn a routine. Yeah. And you're just kind of going through the steps and the motion. But yeah, it was. When she hadn't been on tour, Ooh. so she hadn't really been working. So mm-hmm. you're coming from like being off for several years, having a couple of kids. And it's like, okay, now you have to go do a crazy dance moves. In your bra and underwear, essentially. Yes. As 2007 was one of the toughest years for Brittany. It is not surprising she broke the Guinness record for most searched person on the internet a title she would again earn in 2009. Paris Hilton's return to reality TV in 2008 briefly stripped Britney of the award. That's not a... I I guess that could be an award that's very good, but it could also be an award that is very bad. It depends on what's at the end of Britney Spears. Like, it's yeah. like Britney Spears' meltdown, Britney Spears' problem, Britney Spears' bad performance, you know. Yeah, yeah. That sucks. Three months later, in January of 2008... Things in the pop star's life went from bad to worse. K-Fed's reps came to retrieve the boys after a visit and reunite them with their dad. However, Brittany refused to let the children go. Officers were called, and when they arrived, they found Brittany behaving strangely, possibly under the influence of a substance. Because of this incident, her visitation rights were suspended. Worse than that, K-Fed was also given sole physical and legal custody of the children. Due to her behavior and interactions with KFED's assistant and the police, Brittany was put on a 5150 psychiatric hold and committed to the mental institution at UCLA Hospital. Typically, a 5150 is an involuntary hold for 72 hours. However, Brittany was released the next day. But just a few weeks later, on January 31st, Brittany was placed under a second 5150, with rumors circulating that her family had been secretly working with the LAPD to get her back in the hospital. Also a setup, I think. This is also a very sad picture that everyone can remember her being wheeled out on that gurney Mm -hmm. and the paparazzi caught the picture. Again, like, the paparazzi is there in an instant. Mm -hmm. They're just, I mean, they just wait outside the gates of these megastars' homes for anything to happen and somebody tips them off or whatever. But yeah, she's clearly very upset. She's on a gurney in the ambulance. When they came to get the kids, one of the kids, the nanny had already put in the car. And the other one she locked herself in her bathroom with. And just to put yourself in the mental state of a mom that is willing to do that because she's so distraught and has nothing. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. that's what you're choosing to do. And you're going off by, you know, they the police said, oh, well, she's kind of acting weird. We think she's she's on something. Well, it's like, okay, I get it. You're out patrolling the streets every day, perhaps. You know the signs. I mean, you can tell. You can do some field sobriety tests and stuff. But to go, all right, some come lock her up for 72 hours. You know, I mean, it, we don't have the police report. We weren't there. For all we know, she's like, I'm going to burn this house down with the I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. yeah. Is that what has to happen to get K 
because from what I read of the, these 5150, it's involuntary. Mm-hmm. So you're going whether you like it or not. The typical mandatory hold is 72 hours. She, because she's probably Britney Spears, got out the next day. But what she does not have the conservatorship, conservatorship yet. How do you, how would one be committed to a 5150? Is it because you're saying, I am going to kill myself. I'm going to kill my kids. It has to be something that severe. Yeah. Usually it's you, it, the, the exact uh, statute in the welfare and institutions code is when a person as a result of a mental health disorder is a danger to others or to themselves or is gravely disabled, a peace officer or a person in charge of a facility can um, designate them to be taken into custody for a period of up to 72 hours for assessment, okay, evaluations, to. and crisis intervention. So it's so it, like you said, we don't know what was going on there. Cause I think, I mean, it was like a three or three hour ordeal. Yeah. From the time the cops came until they took her away. So all sorts of stuff could have been said. I'm sure her family was there saying like this kind of stuff's been going on or whatever. Mm hmm. And it's also one of those things where because you are a celebrity and your entire life is documented, these cops knew that she had shaved her head at that place and tried mm-hmm. to bash a paparazzi's window in with an umbrella and, you know, True. all this stuff. So you wonder how much of it is what is going on in the moment and how much of it is kind of um, their profile because of their past behavior. Yeah, they come in with some preconceived mm-hmm, notions and go, mm-hmm. oh, well, of course, you know, she just whacked, just shaved her head and whacked people with an umbrella. She's probably, mm-hmm. you know, let's cart her off. So, or like I said, we don't, we don't have the police report. For all we know, she said, as soon as y'all, you know, leave me with these kids because we're all going to go meet Jesus together or yeah. something. Yeah, true. Citing her delicate mental state, her father petitioned the court for a temporary conservatorship in 2008. Brittany initially opposed the conservatorship and attempted to hire her own attorney but was deemed mentally unfit to select one. Eventually, when she was told the conservatorship was best for her children, she relented. Eight months after the temporary conservatorship was granted, the court made it permanent, giving her father and her lawyer full control over every aspect of her personal and financial life. This is, I've gone into a, uh, I will say this not not up until now. Well, I guess I'm a, a aficionado of 1990s and 2000s pop music. But this is probably the closest to my actual practice area of law, the conservatorship and like mm-hmm. probate and estate and stuff. And the I've gone down. I mean, obviously, I practice Texas law, but I went down a, a rabbit hole, as we say, on California conservatorship law. And it is fascinating to me the co- the comparison between the two states. There's still a relatively high percentage of conservatorships that are granted in California. It's something like ninety nine percent, ninety nine percent of the time. If you go before the court, they they and say this you, person is unfit to manage their everyday life. Yeah, I need to do it. I believe in Texas, it's around four. The last statistic I could find, so it's a little bit better. And in 4%? Texas, four percent are denied, so ninety six percent are granted. So the ACLU has come out against this, and in California, it's the California. I think they're a um, it's like a C A N H R, the California Advocates for Nursing Home Reform. They've published a manual that's like how to defend against conservatorships. And in that manual, it talks about the law on conservatorships in California is something like 1,500 pages long. It's two big-ass books. One single page in there is about how to prove that a conservatorship is necessary. 
the wow. rest of it's all like administration, all this stuff. And so that book and several articles I've read for from civil liberty advocates talk about how it's like horrifying how yeah. easily and quickly somebody can slip into one of these. And especially what you what you read here where she's they're petitioning to get her a conservator to put her in a conservatorship and she tries to hire her own lawyer and they go, oh, well, you're not yeah. you're going you're loony. So you can't hire no, your own lawyer. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Bye. And the court then appoints a, a conservator lawyer to the person. But half the time, those people get paid the more mm-hmm. there's a conservatorship. So you, it's like creates this necessary, you know, ethical dilemma. Then there's also the ethical dilemma of you're are you an advocate who's this? It's like way into like dorky legal stuff. But are you an advocate working in the best interest of your client? Right. Or are you a zealous advocate for your client? If you're a zealous advocate, you say, hey, man, what do you want? And she goes, I don't want a conservatorship. And you go, all right, we'll oppose it all the way. If you believe that you're working on a best interest standard and you talk to her and you think she's kind of a space cadet, maybe she does need to be under conservatorship. Hey, what do you want to happen? I don't want a conservatorship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we hear you, but we're still going to, you know. So you get into these issues of like what's right, the California ethics ha- opinions are are split depending on what jurisdiction you're in. So I think it's hopefully at the end of the day, her case will create precedent so that this will not happen to other people because she's yeah. the highest profile person that this happened to but she's not the only one there was a lady in houston that was in her 80s that had a headache and ended up the doctors were like we thought she was talking kind of funny anyway we got her a guardian anyway the guardian sold her house to pay for her medical care I mean, she's like i went in with a migraine and my house got sold oh my god so you see these things kind of take off like a runaway train mm-hmm. and a person's raising their hand going, excuse me. And everyone's going, ah, shut up. We already decided you're not, you know, you're, you're incapacitated. Be quiet. When they actually have rights and they should be listened to. Now, Texas has what's called the Ward's Bill of Rights that says, like, here's all the things you can do to fight a conservatorship. And there are some in California. There's rights. But, man, it is. You you just pray and hope that there's a judge and a court investigator that will actually listen to you. God forbid this happened to you. Yeah. It's like what we were talking about in the last episode. Mm -hmm. The trans Allegheny, like, women were just thrown in there because they were hysterical or whatever Mm -hmm. and would try, no, I'm not, or you don't want a lobotomy and you're saying, I'm perfectly fine. I don't need this. Okay. Well, let the doctors talk. Let the lawyers talk. We know better than you. And you're just screaming both Mm -hmm. internally and externally that, like, this is my life. You're taking my entire life away from me. And you feel like nobody is my advocate. Right, right, right. And I think we have it in the second episode, but I'll go ahead and bring it up now. At one point, her dad tries to get the conservatorship um, permanent, saying that she has early onset dementia. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, because it's supposed to be temporary. Well, part of the thing you file is, and I looked at the actual form, and it's so clearly written for an uh, older American who has mental capacity issues it is not meant for someone with a passing mental disease it's it's definitely for someone who is on a downward slope older alzheimer's yeah and then you're like really she has early onset dementia oh well she's released four albums she's gone on three tours she has infinite perfume line perfume lines a lingerie line she's killing it in her career she has a las vegas residency now if she is that sick, why are you guys letting her do all this? Yeah, and that's kind of the catch-22 is because they'll go, 
well, she seems she's great. We'll get her a tour. Uh, no, but she still needs to get. And when we get way into, I, I have I have a lot of thoughts about this conservatorship. But uh, at least for now, I'll say the other problem is, and uh, when you get these loose standards of like what exactly is incapacitated, they did a study uh, where they had doctors, a group of doctors, interview a. a handful of patients i think it was like 30 patients it's the the form you're talking about is called a gc 335 and that's where they write down if someone has dementia they did a study that tested the consistency of doctors in diagnosing dementia and mental uh like competency and capacity they only had a 56 percent agreement rate which means when asked hey what do you think they only agreed on half of them they concluded that it's very subjective. It's idiosyncratic. It depends on the doctor. It also depends on what they're told beforehand by the family members mm-hmm. of like, because God forbid they go, well, mom's just having a good day today, but normally she's a lot worse. And mm-hmm. you just go ahead and mark them as incompetent. But then when they changed it and they said, okay, here's 15 different things or whatever, 10 different things you have to test for when there was a subjective thing to check off, like boxes to check off, that the consistency jumped to 76%. Of agreement, but mm-hmm. California does not have a strong, uh, doesn't have a standard set for what this capacity question is. So if you have a doctor who's willing to sign a thing saying that they're dementia, mm-hmm. that's what you're going to get. You're going to get them. Anytime something is subjective, from uh, ice skating scores to something like this, it's like, it's just, so you're just taking somebody's personal opinion and yes. using that to, um, dictate this entire person's life. And on the flip side, so they, they tell her, okay, well, you're, so there's like two standards, right? So one standard is, do you need a conservatorship? Because you can't, the exact definition is like, you can't provide for your own, you know, personal safety or whatever. The other side is California has a thing called the Due Process Incompetent Determinations Act, which determines when you're competent to enter into a contract. And based on that, mm. I believe at the time that the conservatorship, the question is like, do they understand the rights, responsibilities, risks, or benefits in, des- involved in their decision? I mean, she was, like, reasonably lucid, like, interacting with her parents, asking yeah. to be let out. And the the standards they asked are, like, do they know what time it is? Do they know where they're at? Do they know who they are? Can they uh, look at, you know, if you said, hey, read this magazine article, could they get through the whole thing? Can they pay attention? I couldn't, so who knows? But can they... <laughs> communicate verbally or even non-verbally you know do they understand you know quantities if you said like is is 10 a lot is a thousand a lot so there's these questions where you're like oh this is clearly meant for like someone with significant maybe like a traumatic brain injury or mm-hmm. a significant developmental disability or somebody with significant alzheimer's or dementia but i've literally read in that the canner had a uh what do you call it? A, a transcript of a, a guy who was in his 80s but you can, I mean, he's totally lucid. And the, mm-hmm. the court goes, well, we still think you need a little bit of help. So we're going to go ahead and get yeah. you a conservatorship. And it's like what you've just done is stripped this person of all their dignity. Yeah. And for a, a pretty weird nebulous standard that like the courts don't really have a standard. So hopefully I hope for her case, this goes to the California Supreme Court and beyond and sets a standard that says you cannot do this for to, to yeah. people because there's standards and she's meeting them. Yeah. And based on those standards, you just said, like, if she can't do those things, then again, how is she killing it in her career yeah. and is able to get on stage and perform and remember lyrics and remember dance moves and, and everything and be a businesswoman? Like those two things don't go hand in hand. You can't yeah. have both of those things. And that's what you start seeing uh, quotes from from her dad and from the lawyer that take over. 
that I'm like, you're tipping your hand a little bit. Yeah. Where they're like, yeah. well, she's doing a lot better. Oh, so we need to cancel the conservatorship. Oh, no, she's no, actually no, no, really no, no. bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 she's bad. So I've been fired up about this, like, like staying up all day reading. No, like, I am too. It really is. Like, once you start getting into it, and again, it's one of those things that this movement kind of started out as just like a social media, like, uh, you know, trending thing. But then when you start really looking into it, you're like, yeah, she needs to be freed. Yeah. I mean, the ACLU is like, we will help you. I think plenty of lawyers would, and she's finally got one. But this is not uh, a case of, oh, it's the lunatics trying to get out of the asylum. Mm-hmm. And I think some people were trying to paint it as that. When you look at the facts and compare them to the legal standards, in my legal, in my opinion, as a lawyer, and again, don't, don't ever impute anything I say in my employers or anyone but me. But my personal opinion is this was not an appropriate conservatorship. Yeah, I'm not a lawyer, but I agree. <laughs> well, despite her personal life being in shambles, Brittany's career continued to thrive. She guest starred in an episode of How I Met Your Mother, bringing the series its highest ratings ever. One best video, best pop video, and video of the year for Peace of Me at the 2008 VMAs. And her documentary, Brittany, for the record, was released on MTV with history-making ratings. Most importantly, though, Brittany came to an agreement with KFED and his attorneys and was allowed some visitation rights with her two sons. In December of 2008, she released the album Circus and embarked on a world tour in support of the record, her first in four years. At the time, Brittany understood that the end of her circus world tour would mark the end of her conservatorship. However, when Live Nation proposed an additional leg of the tour, it also refused to back and ensure their offer without her remaining under the conservatorship. As such, the conservatorship continued. And then at this time, it was only in California, and then Jamie filed for it in Louisiana. And then they again filed in Florida and filed another one in Hawaii. Pretty much anywhere she would have had uh, property or assets, uh, they filed for So the conservatorship is state-based? Correct. Yes, it's under state law. So she could come to Texas... And in Texas, she has the freedom to make her own decisions. Well, first of all, everybody has the freedom to make their own decisions in Texas. <laughs> That's uh, true. But not not on all things. Um, but she would have to get out of California. And good luck doing that. Oh, no, that's a good point. Yeah. You, you got somebody deciding your every move? Yeah. No, I mean, it's an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. Over the next decade, Britney Spears would sell millions of records, be featured on hit television shows, and perform a lauded concert residency in Las Vegas. But throughout all this time, her every move was controlled by her father, Jamie, and lawyer, Andrew Wallet. Then on January 4th, 2019, Brittany announced an indefinite work hiatus, during which she would not perform and would cancel her Las Vegas residency. The official reason Brittany gave in an Instagram post was because her father, Jamie, had suffered a ruptured colon. However, a voicemail from a paralegal revealed that the reason was, in fact, made up. Britney wasn't even behind the post because, according to a source revealed on the Britney's Graham podcast, she was actually locked up in a mental facility against her will. That, uh, that's where we'll leave you. Yeah. So what do we think? We've talked a lot about what we think, but anything to add? Um, well, I would first like to, uh, as, as we did with uh, Ray Rivera and uh, Porter Stansberry, I would like to just let Jamie Spears and his lawyer know I'm a legal aid attorney. I don't have any money. <laughs> Christy's a stay-at-home mom. Please don't sue us. He sued a blogger who... Who uh, did? Jamie Spears? Yes. Jamie Spears sued a blogger who said 
Uh, Brittany, uh, Brittany's team is, quote, using her social media in a way to negatively portray her and do her harm. This has to be a human rights violation, question mark. It's based on a gut feeling. So Jamie Spears sued this blogger, according to TMZ, and won, uh, saying that it was defamation and de- defamed mm. the rest of Brittany's uh, thing. So I would like to say everything I said is an opinion and or Same. backed up by a factual source. So please don't sue me. Also, I think it's a bad look to sue a blogger. Come on, man. <laughs> like, it's a fucking blogger. It's not yeah. like, eh, whatever. So but, is, the, the only worse look is suing podcasters. So yeah. please don't. Yeah. Suing podcasters. Uh, yeah, these are all of our opinions. And we cite all of our sources in our show notes. So you can see where we got all of this information if it we don't did not on- quote it. If I literally put something in my notes, Christy puts in all caps, source question mark. It is stronger than any law review editor I've ever worked <laughs> under. <laughs> it's more intense than any law firm partner I've ever worked under. So, yeah, I mean, I think what we're going to see, you know, uh, as the the web starts to unwind, that I think it's a runaway train. Never going back. Runaway on a runaway track. Man, just that like video. Song. It's just a... Uh, side note that video really messed with me when i was a kid <laughs> really i remember just getting like so close to the tv and watching it yeah but i think it's one of those situations where she was struggling and in texas at least we have a law where before you can get before you can obtain a guardianship you have to explore quote all the less restrictive alternatives so you have to re- explore put your money all in a trust her money was in a trust get powers of attorney i don't know if she had powers of attorney uh get a medical power of attorney you know it's so you're supposed to explore every possible thing in a guardianship or conservatorship, which those are interchangeable. Texas is called a guardianship. California is called a conservatorship. But where that is a because it is so uh, it strips you of like tons of liberties of like a ton of your constitutional rights that in theory, that should be like the absolute last resort. And mm-hmm. honestly, you see cases where it is necessary, where someone sure. truly cannot provide for themselves. They truly cannot but we all have the right to make dumbass choices. Sure. I mean, as long as she's not hurting her kids and she's not hurting herself, you have the right to marry a douchebag. You have yeah. the right to eat garbage. But the the question starts becoming, well, where does this where do we where do we as a society want to let the state step in and tell us mm. you can't you know you really can't eat macaroni and cheese every day for dinner. It's like, yeah, I can. Well, like, let's try I want. to tell that to my almost 3-year-old. <laughs> She'll take your ass to court. (laughs) Let her have her mac and cheese. But that's, I think the stakes were super high here. And I think yeah, maybe at the time too, you know, as a dad, you think, well, this is the only thing I can do, but I don't know. And I've, I've looked at as many publicly available documents as I have, as I can, you know, as many court uh, filings as I can look at, but of course a lot of it, and it's her right. uh, You know, a lot of the medical stuff has been made private but she's recently come out and said, hey, make it all public. I don't care. I want yeah. you to know what I've been going through so you can tell me, public, society, the people who I've always looked to for validation, mm-hmm. help. You know, yeah. you love me for I think that's very so telling. Yeah. For someone so. of her stature to say, I'm willing to be as vulnerable as one can be, and you can see everything about me if I could just get my life back. I think we owe it to her yeah. to to keep our eyes on this situation. And, you know, it looks it sounds like the court is she's got a good lawyer. It sounds like they are taking it seriously. And, and we'll get into kind of all that next time. But uh, it's the power of social media. The power of a podcast is Britney's Graham. Those hosts have really I mean, they just put a ton into just being, you know, fans and but doing their due diligence and really reaching back out to the source and 
once it came out, they before they published the voicemail, like really went through and vetted it and made sure the person was who they say they were. And uh, I think that was kind of the big catalyst that that pushed it to the forefront. When you hear a person that you, you admire and you love is locked up against their will, allegedly, you know, you want to look into that. So Sure. And I'm glad that people have. We'll get into even more of the details of this conservatorship and the movement that unveiled on Instagram, her TikTok stories, her alleged possible coded cries for help on her social media, all in the next episode. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost, so if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the Rolling the Airwaves tier, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, and patron-exclusive video and audio content, like our weekly mix bags where we share three of our favorite things of the week. You also now have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. Today, uh, we were asked to create the new channels of memes and reality shows. So I was like, hell yeah. 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 (laughs) So it's a little bit of everything and it's super fun. And we'll also be hopping on occasionally to talk and hosting monthly Q&As where you can ask us all your burning questions. For our patrons not in the U.S., you now have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of conversion fees. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. Those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon in the top right corner to join today. And make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-out. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. We recently added a brand new tote bag and socks. If you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag like socks, totes, t-shirts, mugs, and even clothes for your kiddo, visit Sinisterhood.com and click on Shop in the top right corner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. You mean so much to us and really helps small podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Christy? I'm on Twitter at Christy or GTFO and I'm on Instagram at Christy and Wallace. Heather? I'm on Instagram at Heather versus the world and on Twitter at MCK versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sinister.